1: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to The Claudio Relsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. As always, I want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and my fantastic producer, Adam Zalouf, who, no Adam, no show. So uh, thank you, Adam. Today's guest released a book on a baseball player that, for me, was the best I ever saw. Uh, with my own eyes. And that's Dave Parker of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cincinnati Reds, Milwaukee Brewers, I believe uh, Angels, Toronto Blue Jays, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Oakland A's. How can I forget Oakland? And the uh, author of the book is David Jordan. David, thank you so much for being on the show today. Claudia, thanks for having me. All right, man. Now, uh, first of all, how were you the guy to write the book about Dave Parker?
2: I mean, it was funny, about a year after the release of Fastball John, uh, the Johnny DAquisto autobiography that, that I co-authored, uh, we had just gotten home from an event in Cooperstown celebrating the book, when I had a chat with a friend of mine who was close to Dave Parker. He told me that, you know, that Dave was trying to get a, an autobiography off the ground, was having a little trouble, the project stalled. And, you know, basically I said, I'd be happy to talk him through the process. You know, I enjoy helping other writers and, and subject authors um, the whole book publishing world can be sort of a Byzantine adventure at times, and not always user friendly. And my friend was like, Nah, just call him. I'd love to see what the Cobra story would be would look like in your hands. So, um, so we just Parker and I just started talking, and we, we hung out on the phone every Sunday for like 30 minutes in the morning, basically previewing uh, those that day's football games. You know, even at, at this advanced age, Dave Parker considers himself a football player first and the baseball player second, if you can believe that. Wow. And, um, you know, he, uh, he was an accomplished uh, prep star uh, playing football uh, in high school, but he still can, and he still considers that his favorite um, sport. So, um, you now ultimately, the Super Bowl ended in this, is like, 20, uh, 2018, and Parker said to me, he's like, all right, fine, let's do an article first. Let's write an article together. Let's see how this goes. Let's see what our chemistry's like. And if it goes well, we'll see. We'll see. uh, We'll go from there. And um, and then he asked me, what do you want to write about? And I've always been kind of very intellectually, uh, very curious about the politics of right field um, in the Pirates 73 spring training in the aftermath of uh, Clemente's tragic passing. Right. And um, Parker was like, I know everything about that. So uh, we wrote an article together and um, it was published in sporting news. I think March of uh, 2018, and it received a, a fair amount of acclaim, and, and he received accolades from friends, family, former former teammates, and they said to me, "All right, let's do a book."
1: That's it. Okay. Now you know it, it was a it's a big book, and I remember when we first met at the Pirate Reunion, uh, the yep. 40 year anniversary in uh, what 2000 July of 2019. You said yep. you had something like I don't know 200 pages just on his minor league career. Uh, why was that? <laughs> why was that so extensive? It, because what began as a
2: book um, that was about Parker's friendship with a guidance counselor over 50 years um, became more and more about his relationships with all of his teammates. And um, and especially Parker wanted to, and this is a quote, Parker wanted to spread some sunshine on some, some of the fellas that didn't make it.
1: <laughs> right.
2: You know, and oh, okay. um, he wanted to, he wanted to talk about the Charlie Howards of the world, um, the Bill Flowers of the world, the Ron Mitchells of the world. Um, Zelman Jack uh, was this ball player from the, uh, the late 60s, early 1970s, who was in, in the pirate system, who had a body like Henry Aaron, but you know for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. And, um, and we talk, tell his story. And his story was very, very solemn to the point where I would talk to somebody like a Kent to and they would ask me, how deep are you guys going with this book? And I would say two words, Zelman Jack. And he did very <laughs> quiet for like 30 seconds. Al Oliver, the same thing. And, um, and Parker wanted to tell the story of these guys who didn't, don't really have uh, a public legacy and they were great athletes. And it's just, you know, emblematic of how deep the Pirates organization was that, um, you know, Parker wanted to kind of let the world know that these guys existed
1: and they were amazing. I think one of the things that the book does show, I mean, people see what they saw at Dave Parker, which I happen to love. I still have a lot of posters in my room here in my office of Dave Parker, but they saw the wristbands, the earrings and and the just the attitude, the swagger, which, again, I absolutely loved. But they didn't see maybe that side of him, a a softer side. Uh, And I, I think that's what the book does. Is that something that he really wanted to get through or it just happened to be that way?
2: Well, he wanted, like I said, he wanted to show everybody um, his, his friends, his buddies, his, his contemporaries. And, and, you know, it was these guys who were insanely talented, but for one reason or another, it didn't work out. I mean, in the mid-1970s, the Pirates' plan was, here's our star prospect, Dave Parker. Here's our star pitcher, Larry Demery. Yeah. And they were, they were the focus of the uh, you know, the organization in 74 and, and 75, and there was hopes that these two guys would lead the next wave of uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, and then Bucko Baseball. You know, it, it didn't really happen that way. There were also a, these other really talented guys like Mitch Page or Mitchell Page, sure, who was a, a dear friend of Parker's, and and he was a highly valued prospect in the uh, in the Pirates organization. And you know, if they don't if they don't give up Mitch Page, you know, the Phil Garner trade probably doesn't happen.
1: Right. You know, one of the things that it kind of reminded me of. I don't know if you ever read the Willie Stargell autobiography, but at the end of the book, he named every single player that he ever played with. Mm-hmm. I mean, every single one I'm talking about the, the, the Parkers down to the John Lambs, you know I mean? Guy, even if they played right. with him two minutes and that's kind of what, you know, Stargell wanted to include people as, as Dave did. Now you, you mentioned, um, about the 73 right field position. What did, did, did Parker know the number one, that he was going to be the guy because, uh, again, they tried Manny Sanguin. and they tried some other things, but did he know he was going to be the guy, the heir apparent? And what kind of pressure did he put on himself during those days?
2: I, I think he knew he was going to be a guy. I don't think, I don't know, not sure if he knew he was going to be the guy because there were, all, there was a slew of outfielders in that, in that spring training, not just, you know, the uh, the PR stunt of, of moving Sanguin to right field right. to represent uh, the Pirates and Roberto there. I mean, you're also talking Richie Zisk, who sh- probably should have been a starting outfielder for the Pirates in 72. And and um, he, he had a stellar season at Charleston in 71, and he was expecting to, to stay with the team in 72. They sent him down. He had another stellar, stellar season in, in AAA, and um, and they basically were out of options at that point. So they really – they had to take Richie Zisk. Parker wasn't aware of that at the time. But um, – you know they spent a lot of time with him in center field. They also liked Ed Ott, the right, right fielder, quote unquote oh. Ed Ott. Um, I, they yeah. liked him in the outfield, and uh, it got to the point where there were so many outfielders that Pete Peterson t- turned to Ed Ott and threw a catcher's net at him. So this is the only way you're getting to
1: this team. <laughs> and and Dave was originally a catcher.
2: Dave was originally a catcher. He you know he had, he had you know not to give away so much in the book, but he, right. he had a, a two knee surgeries right. in, in high school that. Once the Pirates uh, signed him, they signed him for his size, they signed him for his speed, and they signed him for his arm. They thought they could utilize his arm somehow. But once he got to uh, Pirate City Rookie League and Gulf Coast Pirates in 1970, I think it was like day one, they basically took his trusting uh, catcher's mitt and th- threw it in the dugout said, you'd never wearing that again. Just get in the outfield.
1: What were your thoughts before you met Dave Parker? And did, did they change or were they enhanced after you met him?
2: My thoughts of Dave Parker, um, before you met him and after. Yeah. Coolest guy. One of the coolest guys in baseball history and and what everybody else knows. But, um, after he's very, I would say he's even cooler than I thought. And he is very thoughtful and he is sensitive to the, the feelings of others. And, um, you know, um, it was really like, you know, he was working, he was working with somebody else. He had like two or three sets of writers over 10 or 15 years and just for whatever reason didn't happen. And um, when I, when I heard his project kind of stalled, I reached out and he basically said, I'm still working with someone. And I said, well, if you need any thoughts or whatever, I'm right here. And then uh, four months later, I was told to check in with him one more time. And he said, yeah, the project kind of stalled. And then um, he said to me, well, let me just clear our, everything out with this person first and then we'll talk. So it was like, really, he was very sensitive to a situation that he could have just walked away from. And he showed a lot of class in how he handled that. And he, he's shown a lot of class in, in, in the way he's handled so many things, whether it's, you know, coming out, taking me out to dinner or this or that, or, or, or making sure that I get a call on my birthday. I mean, it, it's really, he, he's been extremely thoughtful. And that's something you don't think about when you think about an icon.
1: You know, I've been fortunate uh, in my life, to be friends with a lot of those guys, the, the Rookers, Grant Jackson, who unfortunately passed yeah. uh, recently, that that uh, that bothered me. But uh, Rooker and Candelaria, uh, Stenett, uh, Al Oliver, those guys, and everybody just absolutely loved Dave Parker, and I I think that each of them said that he was the best player that they ever played with. But that's not the first thing they said about him. They they said, like Rooker, the first thing Rooker said was he never saw Dave half-hearted to first base or anywhere. He always busted his tail. And I thought about that a couple days ago. I won't talk – I won't say who the pitcher was, but there was a pirate pitcher who was on base, and there was a uh, play at second base, and – the, the the shortstop dropped the ball, and the second baseman or the, the the pitcher, even the announcer said he didn't seem like he really wanted to be at second base. You know, like he just didn't go after it. And there's a lot of players, and we see them. They they don't really go all out. I never right. seen Parker uh, dogged either. And I was telling you the other day when you were on our Steel City Sports World show in 1977. I saw the damnedest thing. It was during the All-Star game. Now, everybody knows the All-Star game. They think about Pete Rose knocking over Ray Fossey. Yeah. You know, Charlie Hustle and all that. And that was, okay, sure. He was he was a hustler without question. But Dave, and you can explain it a little bit more better than I can, he scored on a single in an All-Star game from first base. Now, you have, yep. you have to have a lot of hustle, a lot of heart, and some wheels to do that. Tell us about that story.
2: Um, I mean, basically... He did, Parker's on first base. He, he, he mistakenly left, I believe he left his, um, his, his helmet uh, in Pittsburgh, and he had to borrow Dave Winfield's helmet. Right.
1: San Diego, so here he's standing yeah.
2: on first base. He's wearing the Star of David, which is a, another funny story, and, and he's wearing his pa- Padres helmet. He leans off a little bit. George Foster hits a somewhat slight line drive single to left center. The, uh, all, the uh, AL All Star starting center fielder was Carl Yastrzemski, who was working with a bum leg. Parker knew that he's running with the pitch, and he basically he, he took off. And the minute he said that he, he crossed, he, he passed second. He was like, "I'm scoring, <laughs> rounding third, In his head, he's thinking, "I'm just gonna, I'm gonna flat out take out Fisk, you know, Pete Rose style." But then he caught himself, you know, mentally, and was like, "I know where I am. I can't do that here." but um, so he slid in and he ab- avoided the tag and he scored from first base on a George Foster single and an extra base yep
1: now whenever he uh, wore that helmet a lot of us when we saw that obviously I don't remember them saying that he left his helmet or anything like that but we thought that he wanted to get out of Pittsburgh and we were upset because we did we uh, we were all huge Uh, Dave Parker fans still are to this day. So we were worried that he was going to go join Winfield in San Diego. I'll never forget that. But um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, David, to hear from our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, and criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Lurie. We're right back with the author of The Cobra, David Jordan. Again, we don't want to give a book, the book away, but he uh, some big things that stick out were, for example, his first big contract with the Pirates. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about his feelings about that? And one thing that I always admired about Dave, and we'll get to that a little later too, was his business acumen. And he was very successful with some business ventures. But what were his thoughts about that big contract?
2: I mean – he he had seen what was going on with free agency in in '76, and we talk a lot in the story about how most of the pirates were represented by this uh, gentleman named Tom Rich, right. who originally was Doc Ellis's lawyer, and and from there he represented him in, in a number of situations. He helped uh, uh, Stargell negotiate his way through the uh, the chicken franchises, chicken on a hill. He had helped with that somewhat, so he was almost the the de facto attorney for. Um, a number of Pirates players. At one point, he was almost representing 50% of the Pirates. And, and that includes, you know, that, that was Doc Ellis, Manny Sanguian, Al Rennie, Oliver. Rennie
1: Stennett.
2: Rennie Stennett, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and then ultimately, Larry Demery. And Parker was the last holdout. He thought that, you know, he had negoti- negotiated his way from Charleston to the big club. He felt very um, confident in his negotiating abilities. And then um, it was the winter of 1976. And um, the Pirates had a new GM in Pete Peterson. And Parker basically negotiated a better con- a superior contract. Um, but then he turns around and everybody's signing as a free agent. And it's you know, spring training time. And now he's becoming, he's becoming part of the upper echelon of players. And he's seen a lot of superstar players at spring training. And they're starting to kind of give him the business. How could you do that? We're all going to get paid in two years. You're out of your mind. Blah, blah, blah. So now it's in the back of his head. And he made a bad deal. So, um, so what happened was, you know, his aide, he ultimately signs with Tom Rich. And, and, and Tom basically tells him, look, you know, you got to go out there and, and, and really show that you're one of the best players in the game, not be some jagoff hitting 260. All right. So, um, you know, and basically that uh, he comes out and he really he does what he can do. And he becomes the uh, one of the best players in the game. He's he starts the all-star game in 77 and he's the MVP of uh, the national league in 78. But what else is working with him is uh, the fact that Pete Rose is a free agent as well. And him and he and Tom rich had, had realized rather uh, insightfully that um, the more Pete gets paid, the higher his number is going to be because of his age and, and he's coming off an MVP. Pete Rose is 39 years old. So um, whatever Pete gets, uh, Parker believed he and and Tom Rich believed he would get much more. But he knew his market value is what I'm saying.
1: Right, right. Now I I know some boxers who outside of the ring they are the just the kindest people, uh, calm people. In the ring, different story. They turn on that switch. How different was is Dave Parker? Uh, from the baseball player. Again, the baseball player was extremely confident, had even the way he chewed gum. I mean, we used to talk about that. Even the way he would lead from a base where he used to wave his fingers and he wore the white shoes in the All-Star game. And again, the wristbands, the snatch catches, um, just everything about him. You know, Ricky Henderson had a lot of style. Reggie Jackson did. But I don't know. Dave Dave had it too. Those three guys really stand out. But how different is the player from the person?
2: Well, again, I'm, I'm meeting somebody in a different context, in a different stage of life. So, right. I'm True. you know, from, from what I've read and what I've learned and what I've been told, um, he was basically, he was brash, he was loud, he was everything that you, you believe, and but he was also like the leader. And this is also what we talked about in, in a few later stages, for, for better or for worse. He decided where everybody was going to go out. He was the one making all the plans. You know, uh, he would decide where we go for our steak dinner, where we go for our clubs afterwards, where we go after, after that. Um, he, he was the one who handled the itinerary. He was the leader. And, um, and it was always party time and, and he made sure everybody had a good time. And, and, and nobody was, uh, was, was the jerk at the party. That, that was just not, it wasn't allowed to do that. But, um, but he had a lot of fun. There's a lot of trash talk, but,
1: uh, he was, he had great relate. He was great at making relationships. Right. How comfortable was he talking about, and how open was he comfortable, or how open and how comfortable was he about the 85 uh, situation with the drug trial and all that that came with it?
2: Um, He basically, he wanted to set the record straight, and he wanted to tell his side of things. He had never really done that before. Um, he, He recognized that there's books like The Cocaine Seven are out there. As a matter of fact, Parker was one of the sources for that book, okay. um, you know, and so he was willing to discuss it and um, and he was willing to talk about how things went down and, and and what it was like and what he was dealing with. And, you know, there were a lot of people there are there, there a lot of his contemporaries have written books and they kind of shied away from what was going on at that time and those that were involved in that. And I said today is like the way that this book is going to work, you know, is like you, you really we have to, I think we have to address it head on. And he's like, I'm right here. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's what we wanted to do basically. And that's why when we start off the book, we, we don't start off the book in 1968. The book begins September 11th, 1985. Right. He's about to go down for the drug trials. And then it goes back into um, the beginnings of his life.
1: Which again, you mentioned this the other day and I remember it, but that was the day September 11th. I believe that Pete Rose uh, broke the hit record. And uh, that was the day that the, that I believe Dave testified. So it was a kind of a crazy day. But um, there's no question. Like I said, it, I was a huge, still am a huge Dave Parker fan. But the, and I, you know, you just when you think you know everything about somebody, again the minor league stuff I didn't know about, and at the beginning of his career, we knew who he was, but we didn't know all everything that uh, entailed in those couple of years. But you certainly did a fantastic job of that. Uh, of his playing career of course now um what about his coaching career uh, which was short I, I think he was a great coach um but what did he say or what what were his feelings about his coaching career yeah we don't get every give everything away but what a uh, mm-hmm. little bit of snippets about his coaching career
2: well it came down to the fact that um terry collins was the manager of the angels and he had called up parker and said you know i hear pe- people keep telling me you would be a great a great coach on my staff and um and I remember the great times we had. And it's a little insight to um, the fact that managers like to be surrounded by intelligent, insightful people that they know they can trust. And, uh, and, right. and Terry Collins, who went on to manage the Mets for a number of years, as, as most people know, was also in the Pirates organization. And he plays an interesting role in the 1972 uh, Salem Pirates team that Parker played on. So they were minor league teammates. Right. So, again, that's another connection when we talk about, you know, that's, that's the whole thing with so many baseball books that today, if you really want to write a book with someone, you, just, you have to go deep in a baseball reference, and they have the logs of the, the, the seasons and the games that guys played in the minors, and it also has the rosters. So you can look at that roster and be like, all right, these are five guys that I want to contact. You know, I want to get a little more insight into you. I'm going to reach out to these five guys you played with at single A ball. And that's the interesting thing about writing books with, um, and, and when you get sources of minor league players, like I can ask Parker about something, but he has a million prominent memories, but, but somebody like a minor leaguer who played in single, a uh, Gulf Coast rookie league for the pirates, he might only have 10 memories, but he thinks about those once a week, once a month, whatever. And those are the same 10 memories that he's had for four or five decades. So those are ironclad, ironclad in his head. So he'll remember instantly. Oh yeah. Me and me and Parker at, uh, Spring training in Bradenton, we're riding around in Star uh, Rolls Royce and things <laughs> like that. And, um, you know, so it's really there, they're, you know, like Jeff Perlman likes to say, the best stories you get
1: are from the guys that played the least. Right, right. There you go. Very true. All right. Well, we're going to take another quick commercial break here from our sponsors Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Lurie, and our newest sponsor, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club. Who will be having a uh, their their tenth annual Anthony Colisimo, uh Colissimo. Anthony was a friend. I always messed up his name. Uh, the golf outing June eleventh at Beaver Valley Golf Club. Call Scott Zayner for details and to sign up at four one two seven two zero zero two nine eight. And they are also doing a membership drive at the Quaker Valley Rotary, which uh, I know I'm joining. Great bunch of guys, a lot of fun that do a lot of great things for the community. And uh, so if you want to have fun and, again, be a part of this great community of Swickley, Quaker Valley area, and do great things, um, great events, great social activities, definitely give Scott Zaner a call at 412 720 Zero two nine eight, and don't forget about my book I, I forgot to mention my book dave we're talking about yours i gotta mention mine uh, <laughs> lead, lead from the heart up not to neck up how to create a positive winning culture on the field and in the office it's on sale now at my website claudio amazon.com john melvin publishing.com and barnes Noble.com. it's also available at the barnes noble and noble in robinson township and the swickley penguin bookstore we're right back with david jordan
4: Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455.
0: The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308.
5: We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372- 3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you.
1: Okay, David. Now, um, as I said earlier, Dave had a very successful career uh, in business. Uh, Tell us just a little bit about that and why he decided to go in that field and um, maybe some other business uh, ventures he was into. The
2: story, as I, as I learned it, um, was that he was having after-dinner gentlemen drinks with his teammate, Dave Winfield. This is 1991, toward the end of his career, and they're just sitting there, and, and Dave Winfield starts asking him about his portfolio. And um, he's like, you, you okay money-wise? Is that the other thing? And Dave's like, I know what my numbers look like this year. And, and, and Winfield's like, no, it's just it's something you need to be aware of. What, uh, you know, what are your plans for the future? What, what do, you, do you have any interesting investments? And Parker's like, I got this, I got that. He's like, why? What's on your mind? He's like, you should own a franchise.
4: And Parker's like, really? He's
2: like, yeah, you should own a franchise. And, uh, I'll, I'll, and they just started going back and forth. And ultimately, you know, Parker nearly invested in, in a Burger King franchise near his home in Cincinnati. But um, it became Popeye's. Mm. And, um, and he and his wife, Kelly, uh, put together uh, a group uh, that, that invested in ultimately three Popeye's restaurants. And they held them for close to 20 years, and um, and he was very. Dave was very, you know, it turned out to be a very lucrative investment. And his wife Kelly managed the whole thing, and um, and it was really a, a family operation. Their 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 children worked there, their children's friends worked there, family members worked there, and um, and it was a very very lucrative venture for them, and they they really enjoyed it. But the lessons that they talked about is you definitely have to be if you have a business, and and you don't have just A ton of money to throw away at it Uh, you have to be invested in emotionally and physically and always there
5: right
1: now every time that the pirates have a or every time dave's in town for a pirate function to me it seems like he gets the most applause and there was a time when it wasn't the case what are his Mm -hmm. feelings about how things are now with the pirate fans and and dave their relationship once a bucko always a bucko right that's been his
2: favorite phrase lately and, um, you know, he's 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 a pirate through and through. It's his home. You know, it's like the way we, we, we looked at it was basically, you know, he he grew up in Pittsburgh. You know, Cincinnati was his adult life. Uh, Oakland was an extended vacation. Um, Milwaukee was a consulting gig. Uh, California, California was a hard lesson. And uh, Toronto was his curtain call. So, you know, uh, that's kind of how he looks at it. Pittsburgh
1: is his baseball home. Now, something that always comes up, and uh, I know he's probably sick of talking about it, and I'm sure every interview that you've done, you've been asked about this, and that's his Hall of Fame, uh, him not, being not in the Hall of Fame. And and again, you were on our show the other day, and you shocked me when you said why you think he's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, tell us that uh, answer again, please. Why do you think Dave Parker's not in the Hall of Fame? Today? Today, I
2: believe, and I know everybody else talks about the drug trials. I think that's come and gone. I think most of the, those writers who may, who may have held it against him in the 90s, most of them are gone. Um, the majority of them are gone. Uh, a lot of them that are existing today, and, and it's a different uh, voting system. It's basically um, you know, ball players, but retired players, and, and some folks that are uh, you know, journalists who are on the, uh, the modern era ballot committee. And I think that they hold his, uh, I think it's an on-base percentage thing. And I think it's war. And I think that's the only thing that's really keeping him out um, at this point. Because what he did, and, and, and those voters need to be looking at all the factors for the voting of the Hall of Fame, not just simply the playing record. They need to be looking at his playing ability when it was clear he was the most talented player in the game in, in the late 70s and possibly the, the, the entire decade mm-hmm. um, and also his contributions to the teams that he played on, and he was he became a Willie Stargell-like figure to a number of ball players, whether it's you know Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, Gary Sheffield, Cal Daniels, to a to a lesser degree Jose Conteco, Mark McGuire. and um, and he he, he helped uh, the Oakland A's deliver a championship by making sure these guys played together properly, and that nobody's head got too big. And that they all played as as a team or as Parker likes to call them a supergroup. And he made sure they had that mentality. And and you know, they nearly won two two divisions with uh, two two World Series crowns with it. They won one and they, they came within two or three games
1: of the other one. Dave, I, I have to stop you here for a second. That if that is the reason why Dave Parker is not in the Hall of Fame. That has to be the stupidest – anybody who is not voting for him because of his on-base percentage, because of his war, is should should have their, their voting privileges taken away from them because he was – again, he was the best player of his era. He was the best players that I laid eyes on. I didn't see Babe mm-hmm. Ruth. I didn't see yeah. – I saw Mays at the end. Um, I seen Aaron at the end. I never saw Clemente, but whatever. Parker had all the tools. He had the attitude. He won – Batting titles, he won MVPs, he won All-Star Game uh, MVPs, World Series. He he did well in the postseason. There is zero, okay. There was zero to to. In scouting, I was taught years ago, what can you hang your hat on this guy? Does he have big arms? Does he have a power bat? Is he have for an average? What is that thing that sticks out? With Dave, he was really the five-tool player. You can hang your hat on anything with that guy, including, again, that personality, the the cover of Sports Illustrated with, with that famous shot with him and Jim Rice. If somebody gets his name on a ballot and they say, well, I'm not gonna put him in because of his war. Then he's a complete idiot. And not only that, but and, and I and you said something and again on the show the other day, which I absolutely loved, and you know I do a lot of hitting lessons and hitting camps. And I, I wrote mm-hmm. that quote down, but I want you to repeat it about the I know the pirates I, I forgot the exact quote that other people have said. The Dodgers used to look for off speed pitches or the Reds used to look for this particular pitch. The pirates used to look for the baseball. Okay. Yeah, Those guys they look for the baseball right hebner and stennett and 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 Sanguian and and star they all they went up hacking right so tell us mm-hmm. that great line that you said about on base percentage and i'm not on base percentage about uh, no, plate was, discipline. basically
2: you know plain plate discipline versus plate coverage
1: love that absolutely love that go on you
2: know and, and it's like a
1: strong argument can be made that plate
2: discipline a batting approach that exhibits a level of patience resulting in numerous walks when executed properly is a superior philosophy to play coverage, walks neutral approach. But you cannot deny that the Pirates way, with respect to offense and and its emphasis on getting runs home, and and it was sometimes at the expense of making out. You know, the modern theory of baseball, the the new orthodoxies, don't don't give up out. And the Pirates are just like, you know, we're going to make it up. We're that talented. You know, the the, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they basically had the third most wins during the 1970s, and they came in last in walks. In baseball.
1: Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah. That's a crime. If that's what they're saying, that this man is not in the Hall of Fame, that is ridiculous. Now, what are his chances? Because the Veterans Committee, as you kind of touched on, it's older players, older people of the game that don't give a damn about war and uh, quality starts and all this kind of garbage. Um, What do you think his chances are of getting in soon?
2: Uh, He comes up again on the ballot, I believe, in 2024. Uh, that's when they're, they're going to be voting on the modern era ballot that's his specific ballot i think um you know it, it was cleared out a little bit with ted simmons and 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 marvin miller getting getting uh inducted uh or elected i think uh, i think he has a shot i mean it's not like he only had three votes last time he had seven votes out of 12 and um and it only takes five more people's you know minds to be convinced and you know i I think he has a very st- strong chance um, in, th- in this environment to, uh,
1: to be selected. Look, I, again, no offense to, uh, to Ted Simmons, N- none whatsoever. Great catcher. Mm-hmm. But when I think of catchers of that era, obviously you think of Bench, Munson, Sanguin. That That's just me, and I, that was the time that I grew up. You know, David. Years ago, in the Sopranos, they had an episode called "A Hit Is a Hit." You know a mm-hmm. hit when you hear it right away, right? Yep. You know, you yeah. know a, a stud, you know a Hall of Famer when you see one. No offense yeah. to Harold Baines, no offense to Ted Simmons, but I don't think anybody who watched the game back then, or or now, and see those guys, or look at the numbers, and they can say those guys were better than Dave Parker. That is absolutely ridiculous. And and I think this. Um, uh, what the hell they call it? The uh, the numbers. What do they call it again? The uh, analytics is to, uh, the goes analytics. to show you how much I use it, right? It, it's totally <laughs> ridiculous. That that guy is without question a Hall of Famer, and it's a disgrace in my opinion that he's not in. And a lot of people say the same thing. Especially again, no offense to Ted Simmons, but how the hell he's in there before Dave Parker is is astounding. And he, and Al Oliver's another one. That uh, you know, you talk about numbers. There's a guy there, as they say, he could wake up at two in the morning and hit a line drive. But um, now, uh, tell us about. Uh, well, well, tell us real quick. How how, dis- how? What are his feelings about not being in yet? I mean, he 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 knows he's a Hall of Famer. He knows he can go to Cooperstown
2: at any time during any party and walk in, and he can see Rod Carew, and he can see Reggie, and he can see Ricky, and he can see Rice, and they all know who the Cobra is. That's right. And, uh, and he's That's right, and he's okay with that. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a, an annoyance. Um, but, I mean, when, when you're Dave Parker and basically throughout your entire life, you've kind of gotten what you wanted, whether it's through your size or your intelligence or your accomplishments. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he, he recognizes that um, this may not be easy, may never happen, but he also knows that he wakes up every morning and he's, he's DP, he's the Cobra. Right, and, for sure. And, you know, a weekend – filled with 60,000 people and, um, and a, and a free hotel room at the Otsaga hotel in, uh, in Cooperstown for a weekend is, is not going to change that.
1: Right. Exactly. Well, hopefully to uh, 2024 is the year that it happens for sure. Now tell us about where Dave is now and how he's doing now. Davis
2: is uh, suffering from Parkinson's disease. Uh, as he likes to say, he has his good days and his bad days. Um, but, uh, but he's managing well. Um, he, he goes for uh, physical therapy a couple times a week. Keeps himself in great shape. Eats a lot of seafood, and um, and, and spends a lot of time with his family, and his children and grandchildren, and uh, and his wife Kelly. And
1: you know, he's just he's he's doing his thing. He's doing the do. Good, good. Well, like I said, we we certainly wish him well health-wise first, uh, before the Hall of Fame thing. But uh, like I said, we all definitely want to see him. Uh, get what he deserves, and that's getting into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. We're going to take another quick, our final quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson Lurie, and our new sponsor, Quaker Valley Rotary, which is hosting their 10th annual Anthony, uh, again, Colosimo, Colosimo. I always used to get on him about that. Colosimo, golf outing, June 11th at Beaver Valley Country Club. Make sure you call Scott Zahner at 412 9 412, I'm having trouble with numbers today, 412-720-0298. And also, they are doing a membership drive. Uh, These guys, I've gotten to know the Quaker Valley Rotary a little bit. I did a speech for them not long ago. I know some of them, especially Scott Zaner. I've known him since he was a kid. He is very passionate about this. They're very passionate about helping people in our community. They do a lot of great events, and they have a lot of great functions for, for their own group. And it's something that I encourage you to join uh, they're great people doing great things. And again, call Scott Zahner at 412-720-0298. And my book, uh, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office, you can get it on my website, Amazon, JohnMelvinPublishing.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at the Barnes and Noble in Robinson Township and the Swickley Penguin Bookstore. We'll be right back with David
4: Jordan.
1: Call the Eric Jackson-Lurie Final Word. Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie with offices located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. Call Eric at 412-963-9308. Tell us where we can get the book.
2: You can get the book at the uh, Dave Parker 39 Foundation. And you can get an autographed copy there. Uh, that, and and the, some of the proceeds will go toward uh, their mission uh, to fight Parkinson's disease. Um, you can also get it at uh, through Amazon, as well as the um, as well as Barnes and Noble. Your local Barnes and Noble, if they don't have
1: it, they can certainly order it for you. And I got to say, it, it is a really detailed book. It's extremely well written, um, and it, it just comes through that. You were really into it. You know, again, my, the title of my book, Lead from the Heart Up, not Neck Up. My mom used to say, never speak from the neck up. I never speak from the heart up, speak from the neck up. And you can see that this book was definitely written from the heart. And uh, you did a fantastic job. And I, I didn't know you wrote a book about uh, John d'Aquista, which I'd love to talk to you about it at the end of the show, because I'd like to get him on as a guest if possible. But I would also like to get that book, because um, uh, he has a very interesting story. But Dave, you did a fantastic job. And uh, I urge people to, to get it, not just Pittsburgh Pirate fans or Cincinnati or, or, or Angels or Toronto or Milwaukee, but uh, baseball fans. Because Dave Parker, trust me when I tell you, there will never be, I don't ever see another player like Dave Parker. Dave, i can got to ask you one more final question. What does yep. he think, it's a two-parter, how well does he think he would do today, and what does he think of today's game?
2: Today's game, he finds it very slow. Um, he says that it lacks, uh, they lack a, lot, a ton of fundamentals, and that's something I've heard from at least a dozen other uh, former athletes. Right. And um, today, Dave Parker in 2021, and this is something I think you and I have, have spoken of, he would probably be a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> yeah.
1: what, but, you know, I, I think of a, a, a quote Joe DiMaggio had. They said, Mr. DiMaggio, how do you think you would have done in today's game? He said, well, I probably would have only hit about 275, and they said 275. The great Dimaggio, 275. He goes, yeah, what the hell? I'm 73 years old, you know, I mean, <laughs> or whatever he said. But but Dave, in my opinion, and I say this all the time about guys like Candelaria, Rooker, and and Al Oliver and Stennett and and, and Parker. Of course, those guys would have been unbelievable. They, they would put up unbelievable numbers today. In my opinion, they would have. And those teams of the Pirates of the 70s, again, from 70 to 79, there there was at least well, even the even the years like 73 where they didn't have a great season. But all those years, they were either predicted somebody, some expert predicted them to win the whole thing. Think about that for a 10 year span. Yeah, they were they were up for the World Series, which is quite different than we see now. That's why I was so grateful and so blessed to be to grow up in that era, to have those players, which are still on my wall here in my office. I have the 71 team, the 79 team. I have a picture of, of several pictures of Parker, Clementi, and Hebner, and uh, Stennett, all over the, the, the whole gang. And what, a, not just the way they played, but even that day when you and I uh, were at the 79 uh, uh, yeah, reunion, yeah. those guys still light up a room when they, when they walk in. Parker included. They all light up a room. Their attitudes... And they still have it.
2: Do you agree? Yep.
1: Oh,
2: 100%. 100%. And I saw that. We, we had, had a at a signing at a Cincinnati Reds ballpark, and you just saw the looks on people's faces when they they met the Cobra. And yeah. it was just,
1: you know, it was off. Yep. And they, they had it, for sure. David, I, again, I encourage everybody to get the book, and anything that you write, get dave jordan's book because you, you do a fantastic job and you're a great guy i know you've you've tried to help some people and younger kids uh, younger athletes as well you're, you're you're a good guy and it's definitely my honor to have met you and to know you and to have you on our show and, and thank you so much
2: claudia thanks for having me you know anytime you give me a holler i'm, I'm happy to jump on
1: all right, brother, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You bet. Okay, everyone, uh, that was a great interview with a great guest. I, I appreciate David being on. And I guess, as I said, make sure that you get that book. It's a great book, and you'll really appreciate Dave Parker and if you thought you know who he was you really will know who he is after you read the book for sure. As always I want to thank our sponsors Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Petri and Sports Bar Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson Lurie and the Quaker Valley Rotary which is hosting their, hosting their 10th annual Anthony Colos, Colosimo I should pronounce Italian names better Anthony Colosimo Golf Outing June 11th at Beaver Valley Golf Club call Scott Zaner at 412-720-0298 and I urge you I'm telling you, it's a great organization, a lot of fun that does great things for our community. Definitely call Scott Zahner at 412-720-0298. And don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning uh-huh. Culture on the Field and in the Office. Uh, and uh, as always, you can listen to the show at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Thank you, Rick Mitchell. And as always, thank you, Adams Loof, And again, as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Talk to you guys soon.
0: Thank you for listening to The Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com.